0: Are you looking to give your immune system a boost? This is Dr. Ronald Hoppen with a natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals, liquid wild oil of oregano with rosemary extract and natural honey flavor. Future Farm's wild oil of oregano supports a variety of health benefits, including antimicrobial effects, as well as supporting the immune system. Plus, Future Farm is the first ever to formulate wild oil of oregano with rosemary rosemary aids circulation helps alleviate muscle pain improves memory and also gives your immune system a boost the natural honey flavor enhances the taste while still giving you all of the benefits future farm sources this product from the mediterranean and produces it in the united states for more information and order call 888-841-7216 888-841-7216 or go to myfuturefarm.com slash hoffman that's future p-h-a-r-m myfuturefarm.com Slash Hoffman. Wild oil of oregano is all natural, science based, and works without adverse side effects. MyFutureFarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Delighted to have as a guest today Dr. Leo Galland, who is uh, one of my good colleagues here in New York City, uh, who uh, has uh, over the past year, done a very, very deep dive on the subject of COVID-19. Uh, you know the, the shape of the pandemic. Uh, you know what uh, uh, seems to uh, make it worse. Uh, what are some of the ways we can mitigate its effects? Uh, and he's got a very, very comprehensive discussion of that that's uh, available to you free of charge on his website. It's very generous to share it with uh, listeners and health practitioners drgallon.com, I recommend it very highly. And there's a whole section on the microbiome. And Leo, you're saying earlier that, that it's actually been demonstrated that not only is a messed up microbiome uh, a risk factor for bad COVID outcomes, but COVID itself alters the microbiome in a long-term fashion. So even if you, you seem to recover from it, your, your microbiome may be altered and distorted long-term, does that give us a clue to the mystery of uh, COVID long-haulers, you know, people who just don't get better afterwards?
1: Well, it may, especially because the virus itself persists in the gut for a much longer period of time than it persists in respiratory tissues. So people who have had negative swabs of the nose and the mouth often still have live virus in stool or on rectal swabs and the that means that even if the even if that the virus may not may or may not be infectious when it when it leaves the GI tract it still may be provoking inflammatory reactions which may prolong the state of dysbiosis in the gut that's been created and um, the fact that that there are disruptions in the fungal part of the microbiome with overgrowth of yeasts and allergenic fungi, that certainly suggests one mechanism by which continued illness may occur, because is, you know you and I have been dealing with people who have chronic yeast overgrowth in the gut for many years, and we know what the range of problems those people can have uh, is, and, and that, that can include most of the symptoms that are associated with long COVID, especially the fatigue and the brain fog um, and some of the GI complaints that occur, uh, cough, shortness of breath. So I think that anybody who is suffering from This syndrome, which has been renamed PASC (P.A.S.C.) for post-acute sequelae of COVID, Hmm. anyone who has long-term symptoms that are not just impaired sense of smell, which I think is a, I think there's specific treatments for that, but who has symptoms, who has symptoms like fatigue, brain fog, cough, muscle pain. Uh, A potential role for microbiome disturbances either with fungal overgrowth or just a loss of beneficial bacteria and overgrowth of uh, bacteria that are pro-inflammatory that should be looked at and addressed and I was talking about the loss of beneficial bacteria a study from UMass and Worcester the largest of its kind looked at bacteria that were overgrown in people who were very sick and how that uh, bacterial profile was reflective of prognosis. In other words, hmm. people who had this particular negative profile were more likely to get really sick, require me- mechanical ventilation, or even die. And there was one particular species of bacteria that stood out, something called Enterococcus faecalis. And that was overgrown, not only in the stool, but in the mouth,
0: mm-hmm. in oral
1: swabs. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it turns out that povidone iodine uh, does a good job of killing that off. Mm-hmm. And this bacteria, this enterococcus fecalis, is a very potent stimulator of inflammation mm-hmm. and some of the immune responses that go out of control mm-hmm. with COVID-19.
0: Some of the studies it's have said that fact, uh, periodontal disease also may be a risk factor. And uh, I don't know if uh, uh, Enterococcus fecalis yeah. is a pathogen in that. I, you know, certainly uh, some of the other uh, bacteria. Uh, it, uh, it's are.
1: a major factor in failed root canals.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Okay. It's something when, yeah, when root canals fail, hmm. it is often because of the growth of Enterococcus fecalis hmm. in, in the, in the tissue, in the gums. So, or in the bones. Um, So, so basically, if we just look at the broad picture of this, there are disturbances in microbes throughout the alimentary canal, from the mouth all the way through the gut, that occur in association with COVID-19, that are associated with prognosis, that is how well someone is going to do, and um, there definitely is need for looking at these in people with the post-initial symptoms, the long haulers, and um, studying them, and also seeing what changes we can make to restore gut microbes to normal. Um, what the, how those changes will affect the outcome of the long haul syndrome. Now, one of the things that I've been looking at there is a unique um, and new probiotic that was actually developed um, in the Ukraine and Russia about 40 years ago, which is now available in the U S uh, under the name Tundrix T U N D R E X. And if that, um, I would suggest
0: it, it comes from Siberia, but I guess they picked up that name. Yeah. It's well, resonates. Yeah, well
1: <laughs> I think it might've been uh, allegedly it came out of the, Siberian tundra. There you go. The, um, but it was, it was developed, I think a lot of the original research was done in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. In, in Russia, it is sold under the name VETOM, B-E-T-O-M, mm-hmm. and in the Ukraine under the name SUBALIN, S-U-B-A-L-I-N. And if you want to look at the research in the National Library of Medicine, most of what you'll find is under the name SUBALIN, mm-hmm. actually. Um, it has major effects in rebalancing gut bacteria and it also stimulates the release of alpha interferon which is a factor that uh, the covid19 the, the the virus that causes covid19 sars cov2 is very sensitive to being killed by alpha interferon mm-hmm. and so i've been using that in patients who have covid and who have gi symptoms um the supply was very limited, so I, I had to choose carefully whom I would recommend it to. Um, and it's um, my hope with this. And again, there are studies needed, but we have to we have to start when you're treating patients in a situation like this pandemic. You have to be willing to explore areas for which mm-hmm. there aren't going to be controlled studies for years,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. I mean, yeah if,
0: if you're 4 plus 6 with covid patients. you you don't really want to be part of a double blind placebo control study that right. uh, you know is uh, going to be unmasked that isn't even uh, gonna next happen. year. Yeah, right. Right, that isn't right. even going to happen. Yeah.
1: Um, right, so um, the Tundrix uh, probiotic and the, the website of the company is tundrix.co co not dot .com. Okay. Um, that that particular um, probiotic has been something that I've used uh, to help people, especially when there are GI symptoms associated with COVID, with the idea of it rebalancing gut bacteria. See, when when this virus gets into the GI tract, it there is a direct mechanism by which it may produce gut dysbiosis. The cellular receptor for the virus, the molecule on the cell surface that the virus uses to enter cells, is a is um this enzyme called ACE2. Now, ACE2 exists in the GI tract, but it is, it has a very special function. It is not um it, it acts as a chaperone that enhances the uptake and transport of amino acids. So, in laboratory animals in whom ACE2 is inactivated, there is not only mal- amino acid malnutrition that occurs there 's a change in gut immunity because the amino acid that is most effective affected by the loss of this enzyme and the and the virus when it enters cells that process kills the enzyme. The amino acid that is most affected is tryptophan hmm. tryptophan is a precursor of the neurotransmitter serotonin. Wow. And we all know about serotonin because it enhances sleep, it suppresses carbohydrate cravings, Mm. um, it has antidepressant effects. In the GI tract, serotonin is involved in regulating many aspects of GI function, in particular immunity, and there are these proteins called defensins Mm -hmm. that require serotonin for their um, production and release. So animals who lack ACE2 have a deficiency of serotonin and a deficiency of defensins, which then produces dysbiosis because one of the key mechanisms that the intestines use to regulate the army of bacteria that, they're, that they uh, are exposed to continuously, are the defensins.
0: Is tryptophan, therefore, Uh, a a plausible thing to supplement at the time that you have COVID? uh,
1: Well, it it might be, but the the thing about tryptophan, it may not get taken up. Mm -hmm. That is, if the primary mechanism for its absorption is defective, it may not matter if you take tryptophan supplements. Uh, the the key thing is to try and restore that mechanism mm-hmm. of absorption, because most of us are getting plenty of tryptophan from food.
0: Well, I, I guess one of the implications of that is, you know, people who suffer from these neuropsychiatric symptoms after COVID, you may say, well, you know, they were just sick. You know, of course, it's going to take a while for them to feel normal. Maybe they have post, you know, PTSD, you know, something like that. But maybe they're. You know they're neurochemically imbalanced because of this. Is that one of the implications of what uh, you're saying?
1: That's certainly possible, and serotonin deficiency would be a logical component of mm-hmm. the illness. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to that, the nature of inflammation in the brain yeah, that. with COVID nineteen is it's different from the pattern in the lungs. Uh, I saw a fascinating study which looked at the way that brain cells versus lung cells respond to this virus. And in the lung, there's a vigorous inflammatory response, which is why you get pneumonia um, and the kind of lung damage that you get. In the brain, the infection produces um, this very subtle kind of inflammation in which the main effect is that certain cells die. They just go to sleep and die. Mm you know it's with not with a bang but with a whimper mm. kind of thing and and so you're left with some real neurologic deficits now those cells can be replaced and they can re, and they can they, the connections can be regrown but that may take some time mm. uh, yeah. in fact one of the things one of the characteristics of the long haul syndrome is that most people do get better Mm-hmm. it just takes them a long time yeah. and on the way to getting better they have a lot of fluctuating symptoms and i think a good part of that is that there are actually cells that have disappeared mm. and i'm talking about cells in the brain and and as those and the connections that those cells make have disappeared and as they begin to mm. regrow it takes a while mm. for the synapses to you know, to become normal mm-hmm. and establish themselves.
0: It's kind of like reestablishing, establishing uh, you know, lights in a city after a major power failure. You know, they kind of flicker right. on here and there, and you know, they don't all come on uh, simultaneously in full force. Uh, I wanted to shift our focus to the vaccine because. Uh, uh, I've been queried a lot by patients. A lot of people are signing on to the vaccine, you know, and rightly so, because I think it's pretty effective and major side effects are, are not emerging. Uh, and you have a pretty good rundown of that on your website at drgallon.com, you know, which uh, very faithfully reports what the statistics are on, on the side effects. Uh, but a lot of people are saying, well, are there certain supplements that I should take? when I'm about to get a vaccine, or are there some supplements that I should lay off of it? Maybe that some things that protect us from COVID may not be uh, helpful when you're about to get a vaccine, things that amp up the immune system, for example, maybe they you know could uh, cause you to have more vaccine reactions.
1: Uh, I would be, well, first of all, I would be very careful about so-called immune boosting yeah. with COVID at Any level except maybe before you ever get infected. Because illness with COVID 19 is mostly caused by your own immune response to the virus. And the, but it's complicated. Um, And scientists are still trying to understand it, the timing... its, it's In other words, it's not like a response. two-dimensional
0: dimmer switch. You know, some people simplistically think it's like turning up the lights or turning down the light. but the immune system is like a... It's like, if you can do a thought experiment, it's like a dimmer switch in, you know, 600 dimensions.
1: Yeah, it's like... Or the analogy I use, it's like an orchestra, not like a radio. Okay. It's not, you know, louder and softer. Mm-hmm. It's many different components that all need to be synchronized. Yep. And one of the really sneaky parts of the the SARS-CoV-2 virus is it is able to fool your body into not making alpha interferon, which is part of the first line of defense. And then when that doesn't happen, other parts of the immune system that are destructive kick in,
0: Hmm.
1: including gamma interferon. Hmm. Which um, contributes to the cytokine storm of more severe disease. Um, so, I do not generally recommend immune boosting supplements to my patients. So, to, so examples of level. which
0: would be uh, elderberry or mushroom extracts, uh, uh, reishi. Right, uh, but
1: but things like you, like that. all of those are, right, all of those are kind of tricky because a lot of the uh, a lot of the mushroom extracts um, actually are um, uh, actually have anti-inflammatory
0: effects okay. so there's no as they're, well as, they're not like uh, pharmaceutical drugs they have multiplicity of right. actions. right okay
1: right and, and even elderberry disables one of the mechanisms that the virus uses to escape mm-hmm. from alpha interferon so so yeah so these natural products are really complex in their actions, but I've favored things that tend to have anti-inflammatory effects like curcumin, uh, resveratrol, some of the common supplements that we've used for a long time, and in fact, that actually have a beneficial effect in regulating the gut microbiome, resveratrol in particular. Mm-hmm. the um, uh, for For long haulers, I also am not favoring Let's bring out the cavalry and try to boost mm-hmm. immune function, but let's try to, uh, let's try to bring back some of the functions that I think have been damaged by having the virus. Um, now that gets us to vac- gets us back to vaccines. So the main side effects of vaccines, of, of the vaccine seems to be due to their potent immune-stimulating effects. Uh, so I'm not sure I would want to do anything to mm-hmm. boost the response up. Yep. to the vaccines. Yep. Um, I mean, I've patients, you know, get a fever of 103 and, uh, you know, and they're sick for a few days. Um, the On the other hand, do we want to do things that limit in the, are anti-inflammatory? Uh, I have found that curcumin, the use of curcumin seems to be associated with fewer side effects Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think the main thing since we just don't have data and this is really something new is get a good night's sleep Mm -hmm. um, and just go in there and try to plan on not feeling so well for two or three days
0: And, and cool it, you know, take the hit Uh, And, you know, because, in fact, a lot of what people say is just sheer speculation and extrapolation. I mean, there are some studies that, uh, you know, pertain to previous viruses. Uh, Some studies that suggest that vitamin D may may be helpful, but it's not even that clear in some studies that I've looked at. And uh, there is, of course, that vitamin A literature in measles, but even that isn't that clear cut. The measles vaccine. Um, th- there was one intriguing study that uh, it's very interesting. I, if you haven't seen it, you probably have. Uh, I could send you the link, but it, it suggested that a diet high in fruits and vegetables uh, increased the um, efficacy of the flu vaccine as a prelude to the flu vaccine. You know, I don't know how they mm. controlled for that. You know, had some people eat uh, Big Macs and other people you know eat a plant based <laughs> diet, and they found that the, the uptake was better. Uh, with the plant-based diet.
1: Yeah. Well, um, well, there are different things that enhance antibody production to vaccines. Being a woman enhances antibody production. Or being a female, mice, or rat, um, estrogen increases antibody production and testosterone decreases it. Mm. Um, But we're not going to mess with that. Right. Exactly. um, um, Yeah, so I think as far as the vaccines themselves go and the side effects, uh, what I predict will happen is and it's we already begin to see um, some evidence of this um, in in countries where there's a lot of vaccination is that the severity of infection, the rate of hospitalizations and the mortality rate will go down significantly uh, among people who have been vaccinated. It's not going to go to zero. They're not 100% effective, but it'll go down a lot. The big question is, what will be the impact of these vaccines on asymptomatic or minor infections?
0: Right, and and hence transmission, yeah.
1: Right. If, If there's not a huge impact on those things, and there may not be, then this virus is going to continue to circulate, and the mutations that are occurring will certainly maintain its circulation. And people who are not vaccinated are going to find that they're at significant risk of getting infected because everybody else who's gotten the vaccine is going to try to live a, a normal life.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, if they so, try par- to so paradoxically, a- you're saying the, the, the net effect of the vaccine might be this uh, unraveling where there's less social distancing, less masking and more mingling, uh, more public events and so on. And that that may render the susceptible more susceptible than rather than less susceptible.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get a herd immunity mm-hmm. um from the vaccines. And in the absence of herd immunity, those people who are not vaccinated are going to find that they're that they are quite susceptible to getting sick. And um that's one of the things that vaccines do. I mean, Vaccines change the whole dynamic of the spread of an illness in a population. It happens with the childhood vaccines. And, and I, it's something that I talk to parents of children that, that I'm treating about. Because a lot of the childhood v- uh, viral infections are much worse in adulthood than in childhood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so before there were vaccines, uh, most kids would get these infections In early childhood and you know they'd be immune afterwards Uh, and for the most part those infections would be fairly mild once the vaccine once the 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 infections are not circulating commonly kids who are not vaccinated may not get those they may not be exposed until they're older Mm -hmm. and then the likelihood that they're going to have a serious effect of the infection goes up
0: so you would know, say so i get that you're a, a general proponent of the vaccine and you know as a, as am i but are there some instances where and you have patients you know with a, a wide variety of medical conditions are there some patients where you might say well you know i think the risk outweighs the benefits at this time you know maybe we're you there know, have we been so- a few yeah
1: there have been a few people uh for whom i made that judgment and advised against against vaccination um These are also people who are very sensitive and actually because of their general level of sensitivity and illness uh, are at low risk of exposure Mm
0: -hmm. because they're they're sequestering anyway. They're
1: sequestering normally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I, but I've had a lot of very sensitive patients who got vaccinated
0: and, and handled it quite well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's reassuring. Uh,
1: And the anti-vaccine literature, I I keep track of that. Yeah. uh, I mean, look, I I, I got to take
0: it in. Yeah. You know, hear where they're coming from. Yeah.
1: Right. I I find it to be not very compelling at all. Mm -hmm. Um, The data are are presented in a way that's no more transparent than if they were a drug company pushing a product. Mm -hmm. And if you really look into it, behind the headlines, there is really not much there.
0: Yeah. It's as agenda driven as I think the, uh, you know, the, the, Uncritical proponents of the vaccine, you know, people who, uh, you know, say universal vaccination, you know, we're going to make it happen for, uh, you know, six month olds next year. Uh, you know, caution flag, you know, let's, let's do the research. Let's, you know, see if it's uh, a necessary, b efficacious, c, you know, side effects can occur. You know, let's, (laughs) let's take that dispassionate approach to it, which is certainly something that you do in your rundown, uh, at drgallen.com. Uh, it's integrated viral management. you coined a phrase there that's I think that's a very um, uh, key phrase because it means uh, an all of the above approach, an approach utilizing uh, the best of high tech medicine, the best of uh, innovative natural therapies, the best of lifestyle measures. Uh, all those uh, are going to help us uh, combat this scourge.
1: Uh, yeah, and I, I, we I, I think they are all important.
0: They need to be used
1: together. And I think that just relying on vaccines, they're not going to get us out of this by themselves, but they, do play an, they will play an important role in, in getting rid of the tsunami that we've been facing. Now, in the aftermath of that tsunami, there are going to be a lot of people with persistent symptoms, and there are going to be occasional outbreaks and uh, clusters of infection that make people sick.
0: Not, not to mention the collateral damage, uh, you know, both uh, physically and psychologically, of people uh, who've uh, been eating comfort foods, uh, staying at home, being isolated, uh, and uh, eschewing exercise. Uh, you know, all of which are risk factors for uh, getting sick, and not just with COVID, but uh, you know, with all the diseases that previously afflicted us that were avoidable and preventable. So, right.
1: uh, actually, if you look at the biggest risk risk factors for severe covid it boils down to the metabolic syndrome yeah something that we've been talking you know obesity hypertension diabetes that complex um heart coronary artery disease those that complex of factors which is absolutely related to diet lifestyle insulin resistance weight um which is reversible with lifestyle measures and dietary changes.
0: So all roads lead to Rome, and uh, the very self-same measures that can uh, keep the death toll down with COVID uh, will keep the death toll down in general uh, with uh, killer diseases that uh, used to dispatch far more people, unfortunately, than even COVID has. So uh, it's always great talking to you. Your your insights are amazing. We just barely scratched the surface. Uh, We got a bit of an amuse-bouche of uh, your uh, thought processes on this and people can read more extensively at com. Thanks uh Dr Gallan for joining us today. Leo, it's been a pleasure and uh you know bring us uh, some updates uh soon on on uh you know where things are headed some of your Sure new thanks for giving me the
1: Ron, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share what I'm learning.
0: Well, it's it's always very listeners. welcome and you're very generous in uh sharing that information with with, uh, health professionals like myself and with uh, our uh, uh, enlightened Intelligent Medicine listeners. Thanks so much. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As you know, this is a vital time to bolster our immune defenses. I've received countless requests for a specific list of supplements that I recommend to support immune health. That's why I've created the Intelligent Medicine Immune Support Protocol. My supplement recommendations offering the greatest boost for your immune system when it's needed most. Best medicine is preventive medicine. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com for more information. drhoffmanstore.com In addition to the immune support protocol, you'll find easy-to-follow links for our supplement starter kit, heart health protocol, and much more. These protocols are an easy way for you to get the exact combination of targeted supplements you need to help you follow the Intelligent Medicine lifestyle. The same supplements I take for myself and prescribe for my patients. And for a limited time, you'll get free priority shipping on all of your store orders. For more details, just go to drhoffmanstore.com. That's drhoffmanstore.com.